as we continue today, we are uh, continuing that vein that James has for us. And it's an important vein that he has for us. He told us last week to be slow to speak and to be quick to listen. He has told us to live out what we profess. And so what he's dealing with here in the first century church is some hypocrisy that is going on in the churches. Apparently he was seeing some things, and we see the same things today where people profess one thing, but they live another way. They profess Christ as Savior, that he's made all this difference in their life, but yet their life has not changed. There is not the change that has gone on that God requires of us and God expects of us. And so he gives us a picture today of, of two kinds of religion, is what he calls it. And he gives us a picture of both of these. The first being a useless religion, verse 26. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives, deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. So he's again speaking of deception. He spoke about um, being hearers, Endures, and he says, deceiving yourself. Now he's saying that in our faith, in our profession, if we do not bridle our tongue, he said we can be deceiving ourselves. He says, we, if we, any of us think of ourselves as religious, that we should have control over our tongue. And we've been raised again in a society in the world around us, and in America especially, where everybody wants their opinion heard. And, and I often say, that sometimes we think that every thought we have needs to be expressed through our mouth. And so we talked a couple weeks ago, we got two eyes and two ears, one mouth. We should use those things proportionately. And if we do that, I think we would cause uh, a lot less heartache in our life. You know, it's, there's a saying that says, um, you know, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps his mouth shut. Or there's another saying that says, you can be thought a fool or open your mouth and prove them right. So a lot of times in our life, we, we, we speak out of uh, anger, we speak out of emotion, we speak out of different things in our life. But he says if we just use our mouth in such a way, he says, really we are showing that our religion is useless. It's sort of the same vein of back up in 22, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. So he tells us to bridle our tongue. If we can't claim to love God, to follow God, but we don't follow his commands, he tells us that that's a false profession. Why do you call me Lord and do not the things that I command? And he says in another place, if you love me, you will do what I command. What I command. And so, if we're not living according to his word, if we're not being obedient to what he has to say, can we really claim that we love him with our full devotion? And James is basically saying, no, we have a useless religion. And so we've often heard Christianity characterized more as a, a relationship than a religion. As a matter of fact, I think sometimes as evangelicals, we don't like that word religion because it has this uh, formality of an organization. But I think James here is speaking about our professed devotion to God. What we profess, what the world sees, what the world hears from us. And so that can be our religion. We know that it's based upon a relationship. It's not based upon uh, the formalities of an organization. But here, I think James is talking about our professed devotion to God, religion being my professed beliefs. 
And so when I claim that I am a Christian, I'm a Christ follower, when I claim that God's word is, is true and let everyone be a liar, when I say that I am sold out for him, that I am his, my walk should match my profession. And that's our growth. That's our, our lifetime ambition as we grow in Christ that we become more like him to be more holy like he is. Because we can have professions all day long. And you probably see it and you probably heard it. Where people profess one thing, but their life shows something uh, totally contrary to what their profession is. And when we live a life like that, the reason James calls it useless is because it's lost its impact. It's lost its, its teeth in what we claim to do. If you've ever met somebody that uh, exaggerates a lot or uh, stretches the truth however we want to make it uh, sound really nice, we learn that when that person talks, we automatically go into a doubting mode. Is that person really being truthful or are they exaggerating this a little bit? But we know others that when they say something, it's like, I can go to the bank on it because I know what they're saying is true. So when we think about being ambassadors for Christ, when we think about living for Jesus, is our walk matching our talk? Are we living the way that God would have us to live? And there's much to say about the tongue. James has a lot to say about the tongue. It's one of the smallest members of the body, but yet it can be one of the most dangerous. And in chapter 3, when we get there, might be a while because we're sort of putzing through this, but when we get there, he's going to talk a lot more about the tongue. The tongue is an important thing in our life. So here he tells us that we need to keep control of our tongue. And it's really an indicator of our devotion to God. And I don't know, when I, when I just started studying through this uh, again here just a few months ago, I never really thought about it that way, that the words that I speak, the things that I say, are an indicator of my devotion to God. Sometimes we think our devotion to God is, you know, are we at church? Are we doing this ministry? Are we giving this uh, in the offering? Are we doing this or that? And, and we uh, balance it on a lot of different things in this world. But have we thought about our devotion to God being linked to our tongue? Because it's fascinating that something so small as our tongue, so really uh, insignificant, can tell a lot about our relationship with God. Have you ever thought about that? That the words that you speak, the ones that, that people hear around you, speak volumes about your relationship to God. See, we live in a world now where we can say something or write something, and, and we can reach millions of people in just a, a short time. Social media has a, a way of doing that, and it can really cause so much damage. You know, I've shared before that there's times when uh, out of emotions or out of something going on, I'm, I'm saying something, and as I'm saying it, I'm thinking, oh, that's a mistake. Or as I'm saying it, I'm wishing I could get those words back, but we can't. And so James is, is telling us we need to control our tongue. Um, some translations use the word bridle. So it's sort of a thing that... Uh, relates us to horses. So if you think of a horse, a horse is a pretty big animal. A horse could drag us wherever it would want to if it really wanted to. But they put these bridles or they put these bits in their mouth and because of those things you can control that large animal. And so James is sort of saying that's the way it is with our tongue. That we need to keep a tight rein on the things that we say. 
Sometimes I, I've been trying to train myself in this for some time. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But to really think about things before I really say them instead of just starting to talk and sort of going with whatever's flowing. To really think about, do the words that I'm going to speak need to be said? Is it important that they need to be said? And, you know, is it beneficial if I say them? Because they can really do so much damage. And so James says, we need to learn to control our tongues. There's a, a scripture, Proverbs 18, 21, that says this. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk, it says, will reap the consequences. That's interesting. You know, we think a lot of times about gossip. The damage that gossip can do. And the way that we can tell if we're gossiping is, are you saying something right now that you would say if that person was sitting right next to you? Is what you're saying beneficial or hurtful? Are you saying something just to pass the news along? Or are you praying about something? Or are you doing something that uh, you want to help the individual? You know, one of my, one of my little pet peeves with prayer chains, and, and I believe in prayer chains, I think prayer chains are are important if they are used correctly. But sometimes they just become a way of having Christian gossip. We want to know those things. And over the last few weeks, we've had a couple prayers of, for people, and uh, the names haven't been able to be shared. And isn't there something in us that says, oh, man, I really want to know who that is. I want to know, who, does it really matter that we know who that is? Or is it important that we pray? So sometimes on prayer chains, you'll even hear people, and we've shared prayers before with people, and, and they want to know like all the details. And sometimes I'll just say the details aren't that important. Sometimes I want to know the details. And I, and I sort of think, well, I'm the pastor. I should know these details. I don't need to know the details if they don't need to be shared. So we can even have this Christian gossip that goes around. Are the things that we're speaking beneficial? Are they needed? Are they important? And so prayer chains are important, but I would just challenge us as we use our prayer chain that we use it in the way that it's intended. That when we hear the prayer request, that we can get off the phone, that we can go to prayer about that. Because we must be careful. Because what we say out of our mouth sort of indicates, again, our relationship uh, in our hearts, what's going on in our hearts. There's another scripture, Luke 6.45, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Sort of interesting. The words we speak, the way that we say them, really shows where our heart may be. See, have you ever talked to somebody and they're mad, and when they're mad, they... Maybe use this language and that language or to say hurtful things. See, that shows a condition of the heart. And so when our heart belongs to God, when we can bridle our tongue or control our tongue or keep our tongue reined in and think about those things and really say, do I need to say this? Should I be saying this? We can really develop a deeper relationship with God because we are letting God be in control of our life in that area. So we must be careful. We must guard our hearts. Um, we must not really demonstrate this worthless religion because we want to have what he's going to talk about next, a picture of pure religion. And this is wonderful because verse 27, pure and undefiled religion uh, before God and the Father is this, 
to visit orphans and widows in their needs. I think this is really interesting because James is talking about orphans and widows. In biblical times, orphans and widows were, were really, um, it wasn't like today. Today, you know, we got Social Security, we got programs to help this and this and that and the other things. And, and so sometimes um, widows and orphans aren't like they were in biblical times where maybe a mother was, was left alone or a, a grandmother or a widow and her husband died. She was left to fend for herself. Uh, unless her family was around. And, and he talks a little bit about that in, in Timothy. Orphans, those that had lost their parents, they didn't have a father uh, in, the, in the home. Sometimes when they linked widows and orphans, they used to say sort of an orphan was one that was fatherless also. It wasn't without both parents all the time. Sometimes it was just without the father. And when you look at the book of Ruth, um, you could see that life was difficult uh, for a woman that had lost her husband uh, and the children. Because without husbands and fathers, that was really God's design. When we look at the Bible and see how that goes, and I know in today's society, you know, we have the, the, the women's movements and this and that and that. We don't need a man. And, you know, men, I don't need a woman. We, God created us to, to need one another. And so when part of that is, is missing, if you're a husband and, and you've lost your wife, there's a void there. There's something missing. But if you're a, a woman, and especially in biblical times, because uh, the man was the provider. The man was the one who would go out and make the living, and the, the woman was the homemaker. She took care of the house and raised the children. Very important ministries that God had given her. But we found out without husbands and fathers, uh, it was difficult, because that wasn't really God's design. And as a result, it brings forth challenges. And so as James is looking at this first century church, he's, he's probably seeing some of the, the widows and some of these orphans that are being overlooked or that are maybe even being neglected. And they were particularly vulnerable in biblical times, again, because there wasn't programs, social programs like we have today. And so we must ask ourselves, really, in today's society, who's vulnerable? Who is vulnerable in our society? And we need to commit to, to really helping them. Now, vulnerable doesn't just mean people that have a need. You know, we've gone through that with our food pantry here. We, we, they say that uh, there's the needy and there's the greedy, okay? There are those that uh, will take whatever handout they can get for whatever reason they want. But when we're really sensitive to God and when we really are sensitive about people, we see those who are vulnerable in our, in our community, those that really have a need, some way that we can bless them the way that God would want us to. And so we identify those and we need to take care of them uh, by the love of Jesus. You know, when I pray for the offering, many times I, I pray that we may help those that are in need. There are those that have needs and we are able to help them in a physical way. James talks a little bit uh, later on, you know, what good does it do if we say, you know, pat them on the back and be filled and be blessed, but we do nothing to meet their physical needs. What kind of religion is that? And James says, that's a worthless religion also. But we also need to use discernment because we don't want to throw God's resources just to the wind. But we need to see those who are vulnerable and take care of them and, and really be in touch with the needs of our community. That's the importance of being a part of your community. You know who has needs. You know those that are suffering. You know, when we hear about those that have had fires or have lost their house or when we had floods down here, we know that there was a lot of damage. Up in Stanley here this last uh, summer, there was a tornado that went through, and, and we saw opportunities to help families 
in their needs, in their distress. And so he says that is what pure religion is. James says pure and undefiled religion involves being unstained from the world. That's a tough one, to be unstained from the world, unpolluted by the world. You know, I had a memory when I was reading through this a couple weeks ago, of like if I eat, and I remember when I was a little kid, I just remember whatever I did, I spilt something on my shirt. And I remember my grandma going right over to the kitchen sink and getting a wash rag, and she came, and she wanted to get that stain out. You know, sometimes we, if we think of the odd couple, that TV program, the odd couple, where he always had stains all over, he didn't care. There are those in the world that are like that. They walk just all stained up, and they don't care. It doesn't make a difference. Now, his alter ego, Felix Unger, was one that always wanted everything clean and spotless. He tells us in a spiritual sense, James is, that's sort of what we need in our life. We need to remain unstained from this world, unscathed by the things of this world. When we see these things that are infiltrating our lives, we need to deal with them. You know, the scripture tells us, put no vile thing before your eyes. You can just look around today and you can think of all the things that, that can be used for good but can also be vile. Do you have that self-discipline? So James talks about our tongue being in control about that, but what about when you're watching TV and a show comes on that is contrary to God's word? Could you sit with God right next to you, watching what you watch on TV, listening to what you read, reading what you're reading, or looking at what you're looking at? See, we stay unspotted by keeping ourselves under the sway of God in our life. Do we allow him to do that, to be uh, in control of our life, that we might be unstained from this world. And again, it's a difficult thing, and we're never going to be totally clean, but you know what? When we find that stain in our life, we got to be like my grandma. we got to go get that, that wash rag, which would be the word of God, and we need to scrub that stain out before it sets in. I remember her always saying that. i got to get that out of your shirt before it sets in, meaning that that stain would not come out. Do we do that with sin in our life? <coughs> It's really hard for us in this world because there are temptations all around and there's also all those opportunities that, that really pollute our mind. That's how Satan gets at us, is through the mind and through these temptations that kind of everybody else is doing. I don't want to, you know, be the weird one out and so we sort of go with the flow at times. We can be conformed by the world rather than being transformed by the gospel. And Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about that being transformed by the renewing of our mind, setting our, thing, our mind on, on things above and not on things of this earth. So we must be careful. We must seek holiness and purity, and not to be holier than thou, but to seek God's holiness, to allow him to work in our life in these things. So James is really pointing out two things uh, as we come near the end here, is that it's to love others and to have a devotion to God. And I want to ask you, do you really have love for others in your community? Some here are very well, good caregivers. They, they want to help anybody that has a need. That's loving others. That is devotion to God. That's this pure religion that James is talking about. Now, people can do that without having a relationship with Christ, and that's, that's not the relation that, that James is talking about. James says for the born-again believer, for the person who has this relationship with God to live that life that he is professing. 
are you living that pure and purified way in your life? And so um, as we look at these things, it, it sounds really, I think, very similar to the, the scriptures in Matthew where he gives these commandments and the, you remember the disciples and they were asking, what is the most important commandments? It's funny, we always want to know, like, what's the most important thing? Because that's the thing I want to do. I don't want to monkey with these other things. But they, too, came to Jesus and asked him that. And what did God say? What did Jesus say? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. So the greatest and most important thing we can do in our life is to love God. Now, we've made that profession. We've made that commitment. But then he says this, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so Ephesians would say, and Paul would say, don't um, think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Esteem others greater than ourselves. So when we look at this, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And it says, all the law of the prophets depends on these two commandments. Really what he was saying is those two commandments, loving God, loving others, if you do that, you're fulfilling everything that God would have for you. James really echoes the sentiments of his, of his brother, his half-brother Jesus, when saying, love others and love God. It sounds so simple, but it's really what we need to do. And what did Jesus say? If you love me, you will do what I have said. Have compassion for others. We see the need, and we respond to that in whatever way that we can. Maybe you have the opportunity to help somebody uh, physically, to bless them, to, to do something for them. Maybe your gift is to pray for them. We do what it is that God has called us to do. So we need to care for others and have this devotion of God. 1 Timothy 5, 3 and 4, as we talk about widows and orphans, he tells us this, honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. I know most of us are older and our parents aren't with us anymore, or maybe we do have a parent around yet, but Timothy is, or Paul is telling us in Timothy that we even have a responsibility in our profession and in our Christian walk to take care of our parents, not to let them off to the social programs, not to you know, put them away, but to stay with them and love them and care for them in a way that God would have us to do that. You know, I always think in the old days when I would watch this, when, when uh, mom and dad were unable to take care of themselves or they got older, they always moved in with one of the family members. You know, I, I often wonder why that all changed so much. And I think a lot of it is because we get busy in our own life. But um, I think it's something that God would have us to at least consider in our life. So he tells us this, avoid useless religion, seek pure devotion towards God. And when we do this, it's going to cost something. You know, God tells us in our daily walk that, that it's going to cost us something. We give back because of what God has done to us. We don't give back for something, for God's favor. He's shown us his favor already, but we give back because God first gave to us. Martin Luther said this, A religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. Amen to that. You know, if, if your faith in your religion doesn't have any cost or consequence to you, it's really a dead faith. It's that useless faith. And so, don't have that religion that's worth nothing. Have that second one, that religion that is, that is pure, that God would desire us to have. And so, 
I want to just challenge you this week as we think about the tongue, because we're going to be coming up to it again in a few weeks again. But think about this. Are you in control of your tongue? Are you really in control of your tongue? Can you stop and think about things maybe before you just reactionary speak? And, and I tell you, I struggle with this. You can continue to pray for me. Because a lot of times when I'm hearing something, I'm already thinking about what I want to say, and I'm not really listening. I want to be quick to listen. I want to be quick to hear what people are saying and slow to speak because I want to give the words that God would have. But think about this. Uh, it shows in the way that you speak to your family members. Okay? Sometimes, you know, when we're in church, it's pretty easy to talk nice to one another most of the time, right? We can talk nice to one another. How you doing, brother? How you doing, sister? Missed you, this and that. Speak. How do you speak to your family? Because that really matters. How do you speak to strangers? Sometimes, you know, I, I think of the Christmas rush. We got a long ways before Christmas comes. We're just coming in the spring. But you ever see how people treat each other like on a Black Friday or when those, those uh, sales are going on? Sometimes sort of vicious. How we speak to strangers really matters. You know, sometimes you can just give a kind word and that can make their day. How we speak to those you work with really matters. You know, are you partaking in stuff that you shouldn't at work? A coarse joking or dirty talk or whatever it is. Or are you giving words of edification, words of encouragement? The way that you speak to your church family matters. You know, sometimes even as church families, we can get on each other's nerves sometimes. No different than a regular family. Sometimes we may say things that we shouldn't. Don't have a useless religion, as James says. Don't deceive yourselves. Ask the Holy Spirit to help bridle your tongue, to think about the words that you say, so that you can have, as it says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to have compassion for others and to love God. Let's pray.